Hello. It's me, Joey, in case you forgot. It's my first solo podcast in quite some time. Let's make this a good one, people, okay? I feel like there's a lot to talk about. And, you know, there's a lot that, that uh, um, I've been craving talking, talking, um, talking to people. And I get deep quickly. I get deep very quickly. So let's get deep together. You as the listener, me as the speaker. Mm. Where have I been? You know, I tried to record um, a solo podcast a few days ago. And it was my first abandoned podcast. Usually I ride it out. This one I tried three times in a row and I just truly felt the deepest, bottomest part of my heart that that podcast was not happening. Maybe in 2200 you'll you'll uh, be able to comb through the archives of, of abandoned podcasts. I'm in an interesting state today to be recording this. Um, I'm on the second day of a hangover, and as you get older, especially for me, uh, the effects of the hangover become very strong. Um, I was, I went out with um, a Canadian legend, Danny Theps, and uh, we got drunk, really drunk, really quickly, like uncomfortably for the both of us. And he actually. Um, didn't get in to the final spot that we were going to because he was swinging. He was doing like the pre-puke spit and um, I was almost at that point. Um, It was one of those nights where you get way too stoked to see the person and uh, Madar was with us for the first bit and um, when you get way too stoked and you drink too much in a short amount of time, uh, the results can be equally bad and good. But the, the aftermath, the hangover was really bad yesterday. So on the second day, which uh, is usually the, I find the first day of a hangover is like challenging for the body, obviously, like you feel slow, but the second day is extra challenging because it's your mind, you have a, I'm more irritable and um, uh, things like I had to put together this patio table and um, everything was making me really angry. (laughs) So uh, I, I felt like, be a good time to record a podcast. That same night, uh, I decided to go into the place solo. Um, it's a place called the Grotto in, in Kamloops, where uh, it, it's cool. It's not too barry or nightclub-y. It's usually an older crowd and an eclectic crowd. There's usually like a band playing and stuff. He didn't make it in, and, and so I decided to go ahead. And um, I ended up talking someone's face off in half sentences and I couldn't actually get anything out and then and then uh, after after it got out it was only for like 20 minutes or whatever it was like 1:40 a.m. that Danny couldn't get in I got picked up randomly by a, a friend when I was looking uh, for a taxi cab and the same thing I just started blabbing her face off when I got a ride home and I just wanted to get deep so quickly so I just feel like I don't know if, if anyone listening has been feeling it, but I've just been thinking so much about deep stuff, you know, like, what do, <laughs> what do I really believe? Where am I going? What am I doing? So that's where we are right now to start this podcast off. Have you thought about it lately? I sure as hell have. So where have I been? Well. I've been in China, and I won't talk too much about that because, again, um, my last trip, I didn't talk too much about it because I just have this thing where if you talk too much about your travels, um, I don't know. I don't connect too much. So you can ask me about it, but um, I won't I won't blab about it. One thing that I did learn that was really important from this trip is my soul it takes like the soul it takes like what felt like 10 days for my soul to catch up with me um and I couldn't really do anything like I know after I've filmed like events that are really busy and overstimulating and and all that 
it takes me like three days to recover and recharge and I feel like the same thing like mind body and soul I'll have to catch up with each other and be like okay we're good but I think when you travel in a plane your soul gets lost and it just takes time to get back so it came back and um, I had a really bad session with uh, Todd and Dana which I probably talked about on another podcast and I was so frustrated with myself I was being so hard on myself like just expecting everything to work when I came back but there are so many layers that had to be peeled off so much that had to be processed from being on on a trip that was such so outside of my comfort zone and I and I do believe that idea that like the soul just takes a while to catch up and then everything slowly gets back to normal and and then you can do your shit up but I will t- tell you one thing I did I think two classes of yoga um, and those over like a few days after I got back that really um, seemed to centralize and stabilize and ground everything and then um, that's what inspired me to actually go make that that edit um, that I just put up um, it was a combination of I was using my skates a lot to film um, the K2 Varsities and I, I took the sole plates off of them and put the power blade frames on and they started to feel really good uh, they started to feel like they fit really well and they were comfortable and they were light and uh, I was skating in really hot weather so the, the leather and everything or whatever they're made out of started to get like broken in real nice and then um, I have these the yellow super feet insoles that are a lot flatter obviously k2s have a flat heel but um, there's not much there's a little bit of a heel riser and the arch isn't as intense on these on these insoles and I swear it started to correct some weird posture things that I had from having like a thicker insole higher arch and a shock absorber so uh, when I filmed that edit, I had done a couple classes of yoga. I was sitting at Starbucks, drinking coffee, and listening to a podcast about shamanism because of the what our next video is going to be. We don't become shamans in the next video, but um, we're calling it, we've pretty much decided to call it Vision Quest, and we're going to be filming for a while. So I'm doing lots of like writing stuff down, like going through books I'm finding the spine of the work um, and then when I read about that one thing that was really interesting was that uh, and I think this is why people go to raves um, and and take drugs and go to raves like one of the things in, in shamans and and native cultures and and um, the, the rhythmic dancing with like drumming just any kind of rhythmic free-flowing dancing in any of those like old cultures where shamanism come from you can get into an altered state of consciousness just from dancing and uh that kind of like inspired me to go to the old skate park and maybe just come up with some well in all honesty there was like a couple things that I, i saw todd and leon do that inspired me that i wanted to jock i had a couple things written down and then I have a bunch of like old things, not old things, but like very specific things that I do when I go to the park. And then it was a combination of lit, uh, researching for the new video, um, the skates starting to feel pretty good, those new footbeds, the yoga classes, um, and then having some new ideas. And it just sparked this uh, really good session that um, I came up with. I don't know, it just marked kind of like a new time for me, so it, if you ever get the urge to just maybe film some ideas, it, it might feel really weird at first, but it's super beneficial to film solo sessions once in a while. I mean, it's very egotistic, egotistical and selfish, but um, if you can tap into that um, free-flowing, no, no care in the world, get into the moment really just like feel it out and get into a a comfortable place and and maybe capture some of that and share it it's uh it's really interesting i i I called it not not this shit again 
because I promised myself I wouldn't film any more of those. So that was just kind of a, um, my marker that, like, I, and like kind of around that time, I just had the thought in my head, not even related to skating. I was like, oh, not this shit again. Because I'm, I'm having like this internal crisis about, um, I just have this feeling that, that things are ready to move forward in so many directions and I haven't actually pinpointed uh, what what that is, what it's gonna look like, um, that like, you know, what, <laughs> what, do I, what, what do I believe in? Where am I going? I know a lot of very specific things that are going great, but I, I feel like, um, I just have this feeling that I want to be bolder than normal and, and go outside of my comfort zone, uh, from a deeper place, you know, because over the past few years I've, I've, I've gone out of my comfort zone. It's been really rewarding. And then now it's kind of like at that point where I think like, how much further can I go? And it's probably way further than I could ever imagine. Um, so this brings me to kind of like the first and main topic that I want to talk about. And it relates to, uh, that idea of like being bolder. So I watched that, um, the Brandon Smith, the Volo edit for the, his new skate. And, um, He's an incredible rollerblader, obviously. I've seen him skate in person, which is even more amazing. Um, the precision and and smoothness of his skating it blew my mind, and how fast he can go and how relaxed he looks. I've been a big fan, and, and he's someone that has always just been on the, not always been on the back burner, but um, he, he's so, he seems so modest and quiet and so good at skating. And yeah, he makes it look so easy that it's hard to remember um, how good he is at skating. Anyways, I watched it and it was it was great. Like the skating was really good. It was filmed well and everything. And and how it sparked my interest that, that you read the comments and people are going nuts. Like, like, like a massive massive kind of like the classic rollerblader like we just ha get into these circle jerks over edits or whatever and um it it kind of brought up this idea of like why do we make edits or videos like what's what's at the what's the heart of why we make stuff so why I made my last edit was the the heart of that story, you know. I caught I caught a little piece of like inspiration or vision or something that I saw I really wanted to do and it's like this feeling that I have to do it and have to share it and it comes from a place of of hopefully grabbing onto something that can't be explained but just kept capturing just the tiniest glimpse of it and hopefully being able to share that feeling um, that might inspire people to do other things and you, it doesn't even have to be related to rollerblading like if you if you catch a glimpse of of some vision and put it out into the world um, it doesn't have to inspire someone to go skating I mean it could inspire someone to go for a hike and take photos of trees or um, go dance or you know that's kind of where I come from and um, one thing that's really weird with that Brandon Smith edit it made me think about how like rollerbladers make edits to impress other rollerbladers and and that one was also to sell a product that I kind of got pulled out of it as soon as there was that like the really nice pan at the skate park that showed the skates close up um, it kind of like the the motorcycle stuff was pretty cool. Then as soon as there was like a close up of the product, it kind of took me out of it, and um, and it was like obviously you know very professionally done, 
and the skating was really good, but um, would that edit be interesting or uh, is like, I don't really feel anything when I watch that. So do rollerbladers just make edits for other rollerbladers and we just say whether it's good or bad and that's it? I mean, like, why do we make things? Why do we make an edit? Why do we make a video? Is it to is it to show a bit of yourself or, or some part of you that that can't be expressed? Is it to impress people within rollerblading? Is it to uh, maybe maybe to entertain someone that doesn't rollerblade? Is it just for you and your friends? I mean. There's just so much out there now. There's so many people making edits that, why? Why do we do it? I hope that, that there's some base because really, it's such a trivial activity to, to uh, to focus on doing tricks, filming them, and putting them to a song, and then presenting them. I mean, can't, like there's gotta be, there's so many other possibilities for making stuff, videos and edits, than just tricks to music. But that's what like a large percentage of everything is. So are we just making, are we just making stuff for, each other to watch I don't know I, I, I like the idea of like this podcast sometimes there's people who don't have to rollerblade that, that would listen to this podcast that can, and could get something out of it and I think that's what I really like all of my favorite um, videos and edits and things like that there's a there's a heart and soul to them that comes from from a place that goes beyond just doing tricks and filming it and I think that's so important maybe I've spoken about this before and while I'm on the subject um, how many times do I have to hear edits that use songs that sound like this What's up with that? Rollerbladers, in theory, should be an incredibly diverse and creative group of people, weirdos, kooks, that um, have the ability to... I mean, you attach wheels to your feet and you go out and you film yourself do it. That's so weird, but then there's just such... like a saturation of similar stuff when uh, oh the phone is ringing it's such a saturation and a lot of it is just so similar you know let me get this hello through the magic of uh, an, a pause record button it is now three or four hours later. We have jumped in time. Um, that was Todd's wife on the phone and she has, she told me that um, she saw me on TV. Um, I had my first, since the skating days, appearance on television. And I hope it leads to millions and millions and millions of dollars. Check it out. Also, I did yin yoga, um, which is just an awesomely mellow style of yoga. I don't know if I've talked about it before in the podcast, but you hold poses for a really long period of time and uh, you work mainly on your hips and your spine, but you uh, instead 
it's very passive and you get into the connective tissues and uh, you get into some great uh, states of mind and uh, usually when I come out you know I talk a little bit slower and uh, I go a little bit slower and uh, we could all use a slower pace couldn't we mm. so what I was on about before I think when the phone call came I was talking about um, just I'll bring it back to the question why do you make edits or videos or why do you make what you make why do you like what you like why do you do what you do have you asked yourself lately usually if it comes from a deep place that's good if it comes from the surface you gotta dive deeper than that. You're not gonna find it on the surface at all. Mm. Smack, smack. Let me just get my notes here. I, the main part that I wanna talk about was, you know, that, that editing idea. Making an editor, making a video. Why do you make them? Why do you make them? Let me just get to my notes here. Oh, page one. Yeah, okay, so do we make them to impress each other? Do we make them because we have a vision and we have to get it out? Do you have a vision that you just have to make and get out there? That's a good place to come from. Um, if you're just trying to do good tricks and then share them and people say, oh, the shit was tight, or like, she was tight, uh, this trick was good, you know? Just ask yourself that question. Um, just before I get into the end part of the podcast, because this will be a shorter one, um, it's very important for for people to go places they're not supposed to go, and within reason. Not to do anything illegal, but there's so many uh, directions you can go that are very predictable and so many places that you can go that are very predictable even within your own neighborhood um, you may take the same route all the time to work or you may go to the same restaurants all the time um, you may uh, do the same like jog like you may go the same direction all the time it's so important to go where you're not supposed to go and even to push it a little bit further like why not walk down the alleyway that sketches you out not at nighttime maybe during the daytime um, why not jump over that fence and check out like what's down that hill. <laughs> I was sitting at a Starbucks and was thinking about how I never have like jumped over the fence, walked down the hill and crossed, went across the highway to the other side. And uh, there's something uh, rewarding about, about, there's all these cars that are that are driving up and down the highway at full speed and you're not supposed to cross the highway and I wouldn't normally but it, it's fun once in a while to like I'm not advocating anything if you get injured and you try this it's not my fault I'm just saying as an example um, yeah go places you're not supposed to go especially with skating things like rolling on grass or dirt Go where you're not supposed to go. Who who makes the rules? Are you going to get a ticket for jaywalking? Probably not. Don't go, like, you know, don't creep out your neighbors or anything. But you should go places you don't want to go. And you should switch up your routine. Um, I've been doing, you know, skating. I always skate this prison road by my house. And that's what I've been doing for years and years and years. It's like four kilometers you know, and I have the racing skates and I do the hill and everything. But now I, I've switched up my route. I, uh, I go downtown and I go along this path that's along the river and, and 
it's been really, really, really healthy to do a different route. So take it or leave it, you know, switch it up. Mm. This last thing, for better or worse, I should not, you know, th this isn't public enough that it would affect anything for me. But there was a question about, and possibly, you know, Todd and I can go further into this, but uh, someone asked about skating and psychedelics. And, um, you know, have I used psychedelic mushrooms before and gone skating? Yes, I have. Not that many times. Um, and probably some of my most creative stuff I've ever done has come from a really, really, really clear, focused place where I, in fact, like wasn't even uh, drinking that much in that era of my life or drinking, co maybe drinking coffee, I don't know. Like in terms of like any type of uh, consciousness raisers, some of the, the, the best not best, but the most interesting stuff I've ever done um, on skates has been with a super healthy body and a super clear and focused mind. Um, and we, to clear it up, um, the reason we called the first mushroom blading, mushroom blading, the reason why we called the series mushroom blading was because like we took the name, obviously we didn't know for sure if it was Nick Riggle or Andy Cruz who made it up, but it was Andy Cruz and then Nick Riggle got attached to it. And the original definition in that aesthetics of skating was, uh, it, it was any type of skating where it, it, it appeared that the participant was under the influence of psychedelic mushrooms. And apparently there was like, uh, you know, peyote blading and heroin blading and acid blading. I don't think we're going to get into those video series or whatever. Um, but Todd and I named the video series that, at least this is my version of the story, was because if there was a video series called that when we grew, grew up, it would be cool to know that you'd be getting a video that would, would be weird. That was pretty much it skating wise and the way that it was put together like like um it, it, the the world of something called mushroom blading sounds exciting and um the if you ever watched the documentary know your mushrooms or just think of the mushroom as a symbol um in 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 like f folk art or like weird weird fairy art or uh decorations for gardens or uh, alice in wonderland Super Mario Brothers, um, uh, if you watch Paul Stamets is his name, I think he's a f fungophile and, uh, the, there's like a network of mushrooms, network of like fungi that can communicate with each other. Watch the documentary, know your mushrooms. Just the, the whole, like just the name mushroom, obviously. Drugs are the first thing that a lot of people think of, but um, it's an awesome name. Because originally, what I had written down for uh, After Better Than Baseball, the project was gonna be, there was gonna be a Kin video, which was a clothing company, um, a Western Canada clothing company from Garrett. There was gonna be a Kin video, like a team video or whatever with sections. that what it that was the first idea and then that evolved into like in my old notebooks it was just going to be called sol volume one but um there was something about uh the sol like that whole idea um um you know the final shot in better than baseball and this was just an accident is that sol was written in sand and then, you know, like that, that name had, had, had washed, been washed away over time. And that there was new, you know, you could write whatever you wanted in the sand or you could jump in the river and get carried to a new place entirely, which was the idea behind the first mushroom building.
So, pre-mushroom blading, had I taken mushrooms and gone rollerblading? Yes. Uh, two times. Two times. And, and, I, and I have taken mushrooms a few times outside of that. Um, but very distinctly, uh, so there's two stories I'm going to tell. And then, um, I don't know if I've told the other story, but, um, you know, cause I've been, no one really asks or whatever. And then some people are under the assumption that we're on drugs when we make the videos. No, we're not. And that's, I'll make this story very clear that I don't advocate anything at all that um, my favorite drug of all time, of everything, and I, this is a drug for me, exercise is the most powerful by far for me in terms of like the clarity and the focus that I get from it. Um, so the, the first one won't be much of a story, but the first time that I, I mixed mushrooms and skating together was an incredibly profound experience because it was the first time that I could really feel my skates connected to the ground and the wheels connected to my feet and, and I felt like an extension of the earth that had wheels between my body and the earth uh, and that I could, ex <laughs> sounds funny, but that I could express uh, movements kind of like as an antenna connected to the earth, if that makes any sense. And um, I clearly remember coming up with, uh, I came up with pud slide to uh, one-footed stair. I learned one-footed stair rides that night and I learned... Yeah, pud slide, cess slide to fakie stair ride, which I used in a later video and refined. But there was something about um, that that feeling of connection to the ground that uh, really made me appreciate the spaces between tricks. That you could move your body in such an infinite number of ways and that just the feeling of rolling on the ground, the way that my skates were stuck to the ground, and that uh, there was this like small little crevice between these two pillars, and I did this thing, and I, I can't remember if we filmed any of this, like the battery may have died, which was serendipitous, you know. A lot of the times, if you're completely in the moment, you don't think of filming or taking pictures or anything. You don't think of your moment coming under public scrutiny or being shared because let's face it we're a bunch of assholes when it comes to that stuff um i did this thing where i was like waving my arms and my legs as crazy as possible and then at the last second before this crevice i like put my body into a straight line and uh it was the first time i think that i really started to think about movement rather than tricks and that skates were an extension of ideas and it was a, a unique way of connecting you and grounding you um to the earth but in a way that <laughs> you could get in touch with something really unique um and all of this happened uh in an ikea parkade and i think that the, the the cess to stair ride and the stair rides I learned it. It was like a Greyhound station across the street. I remember I, just, I thought a lot about like how you, like dress wise and trick wise, you could liter literally do whatever you wanted. That, that you could take it as far as possible. And as long as it was a vision that you had, something that, that came from a, a place of an idea within you that that you wanted to bring to fruition, you know, the fruit of the soul. It, it, I really just, it was like a breakdown of the skating ego. And in retrospect, like doing that now, I can't remember how old I was, 22, 
I think, 21 or 22 or something like that. And and now, like, to do that, I, I don't think I, I would have the balls or I would have to really be in my element to, to do that again. So I, I hold that experience very dear to my heart. And, and um, as a tool, psychedelics as a tool there, uh, it helped me. But the thing is, again, I'm not advocating anything. You can get to that place very easily without the use of a psychedelic. You can get to that place. You can get to every place. One thing that if you can take one thing away from this podcast, and I read it in The Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment, it's that all states of consciousness are available right now. There are other uh, ways of experiencing, knowing, feeling, that people love to, you know, alcohol, caffeine, tobacco, marijuana, all of the drugs, all the things that change your consciousness. You can get to those places very, well, it's not easy to get there, but you can get to those places using like the tried and true methods of meditation, yoga, exercise, breathing, um, dancing, rhythmic dancing. Uh, listening to music, going to a concert, like um, watching a really good live performance of something, um, listening to, watching an inspiring movie, listening to an inspiring speech, having a really good conversation with your friend. These are all like, these things are psychedelic. And on top of that, skating, attaching wheels to your feet is way more psychedelic than any drug could ever be. Um, to think of like a shaman back in back in the day uh, uh, having a vision of someone with wheels on their feet in a futuristic city um, doing weird movements with their body I mean it doesn't get much more psychedelic than that the only problem is that we wrap ourselves up in this uh, this modern like the way that we dress and sometimes the way that we present our videos and edits is so uh, uh, beige and simple and and uh, not psychedelic and the word psychedelic has become campy in itself that you instantly think of like weird colors and 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 like acid rock from the 60s but um, things that are truly psychedelic are are uh, <laughs> things that are just far outside of the imagination and sometimes you don't even know how to process it um, if you look up there's a sample in in one of the wacky modes if you look up the acceptance speech for amorphous androgynous winning compilation of the year for mojo um, it's probably one of the best speeches on on what uh, something that what what psychedelic means um, there's a couple good things in, uh, if you look up amorphous androgynous. Maybe I'll play that. So I'm just going to pause it here. I'll find that and I'll play that. Um, but in this one little moment, in this one little moment when we were doing a, a radio broadcast in 1997, I did something, we did something incredibly humble. We just tried to inspire and if anything, this is a wonderful testimony to maybe that's the most important thing you can ever do, you know, just to try and inspire. What we were trying to inspire was slightly more complex. Um, that gets into my own personal history. I was trying to inspire a new psychedelia based on the idea of, I believe we're all psychedelic beings and this is a psychedelic universe. And in effect, I believe this world needs to refine that alignment um, in order to survive, gets a bit heavy around here. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure, there is a reverence from me for the 60s, but probably more than anything because I have identified something that happened in the 60s, as, as we most all of us have, and that is that um, the, there was a confluence of counterculture, a spiritual search that surfaced. <laughs> 
<laughs> Why is this just fucking waffle? I love it. Okay. <laughs> but you know, to a certain degree, to a certain degree, I do believe we have to start again and embarrass ourselves. So if, if that's the way it is, that's cool. I don't mind embarrassing myself. I'm starting my journey again here. So uh, <laughs> anyway, so there, there is, there is. I think there is something actually in the monstrous bubble that does make it. If I can bring it away from all the great music, which I first and foremost must thank for allowing me to uh, plumage the catalogue. Fucking hell. <laughs> is, it, is it that funny? <laughs> why, why is it that funny to you? I mean, I'm not offended or anything. Because <laughs> I, I would love to. Okay. okay, thank you so much. Uh, anyway, I'm going to just beat myself up a bit because the, the one thing we did isolate was the fact that there was a spiritual lineage that we felt was lacking. So we identified that from the 60s and our whole modus has been to try and show that that should come forward into the present. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to thank some people. I'm going to thank... Um, okay, so how awesome is that? Just that idea of like we have to embarrass ourselves again is a it's a really great way of putting it we're also afraid we're coming out of a time of fear like people are afraid people are so afraid like you walk you walk around and it's sometimes like people are afraid of you or don't want to say hi or, or people are afraid of doing them some things that are weird or, or looking odd and and we're, we get stuck in these old ways of being anywho I thought that would be inspiring you know talking about psychedelic and and um, that idea of inspiring a new psychedelia and the spiritual lineage thing is really interesting because it kind of fits with what I was talking about earlier you know why do you make an edit why do people make music and, and um, there is something about music and films from the 60s and 70s there's just such a distinct quality that people try and replicate but it's very hard to tap into because of how complex the world is right now um, there's so much going on and so much to take in and it's so fast-paced and it's and it's difficult to figure out how to use these these other tools technology and our f like our phones and and everything instant access and Facebook and Twitter and and that that idea of like it being so much more difficult to stay in the moment you know those music and movies they were completely in the moment and they weren't thinking about anything else they knew that there was something special happening and you know they grabbed onto it and and it's not to say that there isn't stuff like that there's lots of great stuff happening but um, there is still that struggle and there's still that fear of uh, of trying to do something different and trying to inspire you know I love that Mm. So, you know, I got to brush up on my storytelling as I get older, but the, the most profound time I mixed uh, psychedelic mushrooms and skating was me and a person who is a darker person who I don't see much at all anymore, decided to go to the skate park early in the morning and take some mushrooms and go skating. And um, I was struggling internally with a lot of things. It was during the filming of what our video after Cirque du Soleil was gonna be, which turned out to be better than baseball, but I was struggling with that even, like what, what do I, what what are we doing like what are we gonna make and uh, I was frustrating because I after the first year of filming for whatever project it was gonna be I, I didn't believe that we had what we needed or what I needed or I didn't even know what I needed so we filmed for another year and in the middle of that um, the the shot of the man the shot of the murder, pretty much, like, the, or the person, like, that got stabbed, or, um, that's in Mushroom Blading, was actually during the filming of another video, and, and the story behind that was 
someone came up, we were skating a famous spot called Heroin in Vancouver. Someone came up and said, there's a guy that just got stabbed over over there. And and um, I gave the camera to, to Mason. I was like, I just can't, I just can't film like if, if there's a, if there's a guy dying. Obviously there was like police and ambulance and all that stuff had, had gotten there. Um, but he had dragged himself to the edge of the sidewalk. None of us knew this even happened, but it happened so close to us. And that's when, you know, a guy just got stabbed and then, uh, Mason came back and he's like, Oh, I just got a really crazy shot. And that's where you can see like the, the pile of blood and then his friend or something had dragged him and then you see like the street and it was just this like image of mod like <laughs> just just probably like just one of the darker images you could get of of humanity and I couldn't film it but Mason filmed it and um that day three things happened so that happened I remember having this internal struggle that that um carried over into when I took mushrooms and went skating in the park there was this internal struggle and and I had I wrecked my ankle and I've told this story I have told this story but I haven't told this version of the story I wrecked my ankle a dude got stabbed to death like later on in the hospital he died we read about it in the paper and and our car got broken into all in a short amount of time and and I was having just this like what I didn't know at the time was like a spiritual crisis, you know, I, I think I really lost touch with myself. I had put so much into skating. I had put all of my eggs into one basket. I did have a really good girlfriend at that time that, you know, started to expand my mind more and, and um, open me up to the possibility of getting an education through film and um, maybe just thinking a little bit bigger about about life. So that was one saving grace at that time, but, but all those things happened and, and when I when I met this person in the morning and, and took the mushrooms, I remember like feeling really sick. We we went to a Denny's and I was like so nervous about it that, that my stomach wasn't good and and on top of that that internal battle was just still still going on with me I, I didn't know what was wrong and and um, I was like I think two or three months into my injury where I couldn't skate and that was all I thought about um, for so long that I was forced out of it physically forced out of skating and then I thought, you know, like, well, maybe I should just try and film skating for a while. And, and that, like, ah, there's just so much, like, I had so many questions and, and, and felt so kind of, like, empty towards skating. Like, uh, like I, my inspiration was gone and I, my, I had just this lack of connection and there was... I wanted something more. I did not know what it was. So I, when this day at Denny's, I felt sick and it was early. We're taking the mushrooms and like getting explosive diarrhea from the Denny's, not from the mushrooms. And and I was trying to convince myself that I could skate, whereas when my my ankle just still hurt a lot, especially when I put on my skates. It was fine for walking around on, but there was some very specific... Um, places where I would put my weight and there would just be a sharp pain and so we got to the park and it was just just us two and one older skateboarder um Bo Sorley was his name who was incredibly talented it was cool to watch him like um you would never really see him at the park so it was cool to see him like he would skate that early just to have the park to himself which is a mark of a, of a true wise man in my mind not a true wise man, but someone who is smart with their uh, connection to skating. Skating solo is is really good for the, the soul. Um, and so when, when 
I started to feel the mushrooms kicking in. Um, there was the darkest <laughs> uh, cloud and energy around this person and, and their face and all I could see was darkness. And there was darkness surrounding me which could have been a mirror as well to the other person. And I had no connection to my skates. I had, I had no connection to myself anymore. And I, and I had no connection to the camera. I had, I had over identified with everything and, and expected these things to, to, to have the answers for what I was looking for. And all of this shit started revealing itself as the mushrooms kicked in. And I tried to put on my skates to forget about it and I was injured, I physically could not skate. And I was with someone who I started to see just such a dark cloud around them. And I couldn't focus and I was getting, I was really quiet and I was just going through this really, really intense personal journey and a personal kind of revelation that all these <laughs> crazy answers that I I guess had buried or or hadn't hadn't considered everything was just coming to the surface and spraying me in the face like all of the shit that I hadn't dealt with was coming up and I remember uh, just feeling so lost and and um, I looked over at like Canada geese that were walking around and started filming them and then there's this one part where these two Canada geese were like looking at each other almost like they were communicating and their head, the way that their necks were and their heads were, it looked like a heart and then I thought about that, that girlfriend at the time and, and that was like a, that point of like, that feeling of love was like a, a massive lifeline and that um, if everything went to shit, if I, if I was injured in skating, if I could never make a skate video ever again, that feeling of love and, and connection that I didn't have in that moment to anything that I thought I had a connection to, like I, I would have that love with, or with that person. And, and then I also thought of another lifeline at all. All I could think about was how I wanted to call my sister, tell her what was happening. And, and I wanted to, I wanted her to pick me up and I wanted to be taken out of that situation. And I wanted to start processing all of this shit. And, and I remember just telling this person, um, there may be some footage from that day that could be somewhere. I'm not sure. Um, I remember phoning my sister pre-cell phone days. I had to like go to a payphone and I think I told her I'm like, Monica, you need to pick me up. Um, I think I told her I was on mushrooms or whatever, and and uh, I just like I checked out of that moment and and all of these answers, <laughs> all of the shit flinging in my face and that idea of of love and and the heart the two Canada geese looking at each other, I, I got pretty much everything that I needed. And then I remember going to Movie Mart downtown till my sister wanted to rent some, they had an amazing VHS library. This was when I was like 23. So VHSs were still, you know, around and their, their back library was awesome. So I remember she rented the Garbage Pail Kids and then I remember that day was also, this is dating me as well, it was CD release day. And there was two albums that I wanted to get. One was Antics by Interpol and one was Smile by Beach Boys. And I remember the cover of that record, if you look up Smile, put me in a really good mood and I was pointing it at it to Monica. And I was like, this is like, <laughs> like I need this right now. And, uh, it was so awesome to see my sister and hang out and like rent movies with her and then go to a music store and get some albums that I wanted. I would go every Tuesday if there was good stuff. And then we were going back and watching the Garbage Pail Kids with my sister and then um, having this idea of printing out like the, the photo of the, 
or sorry, the video still of the Canada geese um, making the heart shape and giving it to my girlfriend at the time, um, just as a representation of a, a kind of a turning point. So this is two different times I tried to mix skating and, and psychedelics. And um, one was hell. It was it was like, uh, like, you know, how they, the ego death or whatever that they talk about. I had an, I had definitely an ego death experience that, um, I, I don't know how long it would have taken for me to realize those things outside of that. I think I was too young to know anything really. And it helped, it helped me face some of that stuff head on. And um, that specific, that hellish experience with the, the Canada geese and, and that uh, feeling of connection through, through love and then the, that love missing. I don't know if I had love for myself because I was trying to connect with all of these things that like with skating and with making videos and stuff and, and I believed in them and like I don't know if I believed in myself or, or maybe I was giving too much to these things and I wasn't working on myself but that was a huge turning point in my life because after that I decided to go to film school um, I remember not drinking or touching weed or anything for a really long time I became really focused on exercise and getting healthy and uh I just remember like getting into yeah like wreck skating and getting my ankle powered back up and and connecting to myself like having a deep relationship with with myself and and working through those layers that I was buried beneath and um I distanced my, distance myself from certain certain aspects of skating and filming that I was just I just connected too much with like that attachment idea in Buddhism like you know if you practice non-attachment it's really fucking healthy and then if you have a a connection to yourself on top of that that's like very powerful like um if you have love for yourself then you have lots of love to give to other people. I mean, it it sounds ridiculous, but it's so true. I mean, if you can't if you can't love yourself and know yourself on a super deep level, how are you going to connect to other people or other things? You know. So those two experiences of psychedelics and skating are are just completely on the opposite ends of the spectrum, and. Um, Again, I don't con I don't condone using psychedelics with skating. Um, I do believe in the idea of like in the future, like facilities where people could go and have a, a guide, and these things would be used to as therapy for people because that was an unexpected therapy for me. Um, and I do very much believe that I could have come to all of these conclusions without psychedelics, but what they are is they're a shortcut. They're a shortcut to a mystical experience should you, cho should you choose to go down that path. And it's, there's so much responsibility attached to it. and. Um, they're so dangerous for some, for many people um, that I feel like you have to be an incredibly responsible person that is really working on yourself if you're going to try any of that stuff. And I would say, more than anything, if you exercise a lot and you journal a lot and you do yoga and you meditate and you skate a lot and you 
just really work on yourself and have your shit together in that way, like a deep relationship with yourself. I don't think you can be so weird and so out there and so psychedelic without these tools, these uh, these old medicines and, and tools. Um, it's really just up to you on how weird you want to be and how deep you can go inside of yourself what you can pull out I mean David Lynch I thought for the longest time was like a, a drug filmmaker and then to realize that that dude had been meditating twice a day for 35 years catching like the weirdest fish inside of himself I, idea fish you know to know that that, that idea of focus deep, deep, deep focus and clarity and a deep relationship with yourself. That is so much more powerful because if you go to a mystical place with a shortcut, you have to come back and, and you'll always have to come back. But if you can, if you can go to a mystical place or, or a strange place or have, have a, an ego death experience without those things, I think that idea of up and down and high and low gets a little bit more uh, medium and it's so much more work but I think in the long run it's so beneficial especially as you get older now I do believe that um, possibly psychedelics used in like a therapeutic way once a year or once every two years um, could be incredibly beneficial for many, many, many people. But it's, you know, what we attach to that experience, it's in us all the time. It's just, you know, are you gonna, are you gonna be receptive to that voice that's buried beneath? Like, we're so busy all the time and we fill our lives with so much crap and distraction that, that 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 voice that is there that state of consciousness that we think is only triggered by psychedelics or shortcuts you know it can be found it can be found it's just you have to work hard and 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 we expect results right away we we when we get back in when people get back into shape and they're like yeah i'm uh, on a new diet or or uh and they only do it for like a week or they do a cleanse or like, yeah, I'm working out right now. And they might work out for like, go to the gym, like three times in a month and expect results right away that we're, we're so looking for a quick fix and a, and a shortcut when it's so it's available to us with, with some hard work and, and some dedication. And you're not gonna, you're not gonna be some person, you know, meditating in a forest not doing it that way. I find that if you can catch glimpses of it and have somewhat of a busy lifestyle, I think somewhere in the middle between of like not being too hidey tidy towards anything and not being too airy fairy spiritual towards anything. I think that's kind of like the place you want to be. Um, and where can you go from that? You know, where can I go from that? All states of consciousness are available right now. It's up to you to uh, figure out how to get to certain ones. And that, you know, when you take the shortcut, you miss a beautiful uh, scenic journey where you meet uh, so many people and and you have so many insights if you if you take the longer way And why Do you do what you do? Why do you make an edit? Why do you make a video? <laughs>